Hello, my wonderful friends. Welcome to Fate FM Drive Time. Welcome to Big Q&A. This is the program where we respond to difficult questions concerning God, faith, contemporary religion, and the Bible, and where we look at the world religious trends in the light of Bible prophecy. I am Nick Rita, a South Australian Regional Coordinator for Faith FM, and I'm very happy to be with you today. Thank you for tuning in. If you like to make a comment or have your questions answered, please text me on 04-888-808-11. On that number, you can write a message right now as you listen to us and uh, be part of this program today. We are going to talk a little bit more about the biblical morality in the third millennium. We already dealt with some of the uh, topics uh, during the week, like uh, uh, what are the fundamental pillars of biblical morality? What is the biblical role of family? Is biblical morality out of date? Sexual sin, can it be forgiven? And uh, definitely we are witnessing right now, as we are on air, uh, uh, lots of talk about uh, sexual morality, immorality, all those things. Today we are going to look a little bit more into a question, how do I give my children a moral compass? Our co-host today is David uh, DeLima from Family Voice Australia. Welcome to the program, David. Thanks, Nick. It's great to be co-hosting with you once again. Now, uh, you are uh, the director of Family Voice Australia for uh, South Australia and Northern Territory. You're doing a great job, uh, David, uh, you know, uplifting the morals, you know, and the family values and um, lobbying in between different parties and still working hard to maintain the um, importance mm. of family in the society we live in. David, I uh, came across with a few things uh, during this week, and I, I was listening to a talk, actually in my language, mm. in Romanian, and I was uh, impressed uh, and to share on air today some of the things which uh, were uh, were said there. What's struck me was when uh, this gentleman was saying that um, humanity returns to paganism. Mm. I said, wow, that's a very big uh, Mm. thing to say. Um, Now, we know that when we look back in history, you know, in dark ages and all all those things, when God was out of the picture, all Mm. sorts of things happened. Mm. And this program, uh, David, is is a Christian broadcast, mm. uh, you know, uh, and we want to uplift and to bring to the attention of our listeners mm. fundamental mm. beliefs of the Bible. Yes. And as this week, uh, as I mentioned, quite a quite an important one, you know, um, biblical morality in the third millennium. I mean, is that something which is still valued? Mm. What's your uh, opinion, just to, to yes. open up this uh, discussion today? Yes. And just before we go on uh, on that again, I'd like to, m- to mention the n- number again to our listeners, because if you like to send us a text, a message, or, or your, you know, your opinion, how you see mm. this, um, again, the number is 04 
double one. You can write a message right away uh, to us now and uh, yeah, contribute to, to our program today. But yeah, coming back to you, David, what's your uh, first, uh, you know, opinion in regard to this uh, topic? Yes, yes. Does Christ's teaching on morality make sense? It absolutely does. And we have the words of Jesus in the Bible, of course, and in Matthew's Gospel, the 19th chapter, he's asked a question about eternal life, and he says something very interesting. He says, if you want to enter life, obey the commandments. Mm-hmm. Now, of course, no one can obey the commandments, so we're not made right with God through obedience, but he's highlighting the very great importance of obeying the commandments. Now, he's talking to a man called the rich young ruler, Uh, as he's making those comments. And the rich young ruler says, oh, which ones? And then Jesus replies as follows, do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not give false testimony, honor your father and mother. Those, of course, Nick, are very familiar because they are aspects of the Ten Commandments. But then Jesus goes on and says, love your neighbor as yourself, which is from the book of Leviticus. So though... Many Christians would never bother with the book of Leviticus especially. Mm -hmm. Um, To some extent, Exodus has got more of an interesting narrative, but the book of Leviticus, it's a tough book to read, Mm. I must confess. But it wonderfully contains that imperative, love your neighbor as yourself. And so we see here that even these Old Testament books that are so often Uh, regarded as being dusty, dry, and of no relevance. They're of prime relevance because the commandments are at the heart of God's love for justice and righteousness. None of us can live up to it, of course. So thank God that he sent Jesus Mm. to die for our sins, and we'll be thinking about that, no doubt, next week at Easter in particular. But the commandments are there as something that we can love, we can enjoy, because when we have faith in Christ... We can keep the law, the law of God. In fact, the law of God, Nick, is written in our hearts Mm. as believers. So biblical morality is one thing, but the the law of God is, in fact, not just in the Bible. It's in our hearts, and it's written by God in our hearts. So he says that he will take away the, the heart of stone and give us a heart of flesh. And, in fact... In one sense, there's no need to teach each other because God himself teaches us. No longer will a man teach his friend or his neighbor saying, know the Lord, because they will all know me. Mm -hmm. So the Christian faith is all about a relationship with God so that his Holy Spirit lives within us. And the Holy Spirit is prompting us to follow the commandments which are written in our hearts. Yeah. You mentioned about law, you know, and uh, we live under laws, mm. all sorts of laws, mm. you know, social, you know, uh, um, economic, uh, economical, mm. or even, uh, uh, you know, driving a car on the roads. Yes. You know, we have to obey yes. some laws. But I wonder, David, when um, people are taking out of context things and making laws, mm. which uh, can totally change around the whole mm. aspect Yes. Of morality. Yes. I'm just reminded uh, that, uh, um, David, in just uh, last year in, uh, in United States, you know, the Supreme mm. Court mm. of United States, with only one vote difference, mm. they voted to reformulate, if you like, the concept of family. Yes. And you know that uh, today now, I mean, 
any, you know, two, two persons come mm-hmm. together, doesn't matter about sex mm-hmm. or, you know, uh, they are considered family. Mm-hmm. I mean, how that a law like that mm-hmm. can affect biblical mm-hmm. morality? Yes, indeed. Well, at another time, Jesus was asked about which are the most important commandments, and he said to love God and love your neighbor. So loving God is crucial to getting our thinking right about law, good laws, good principles, good values. If we take that away, everything falls apart. Mm-hmm. And that's what's happening in the case that you've described there in the United States. But it's also happening in Australia and every Western nation. Mm-hmm. When we turn our backs upon God and his precepts, we then fail to love our neighbor. And true love means seeking their highest good. And in fact, that's now what is it missing in so many of these laws where, yeah. where families, whatever you like, you know, it's, it's not seeking my neighbor's highest good for me to say to my neighbor, do what you like, and I'll give that the tick of approval. Mm-hmm. That's, that's despising my neighbor. The scriptures speak about the, the father who fails to discipline his son. You know, but he, he disciplines the son he loves. And if, if we don't love people, we will simply say, oh, that's fine, do whatever you want. Yeah. We're, we're abandoning them to their unrighteousness. Yep. Now, also, as I mentioned a bit earlier, at the beginning of the week, we, we talk about some uh, uh, important, you know, fundamental pillars mm-hmm. in regard uh, biblical morality. Yes. And we talk about that, uh, you know, God created us as um, holistic beings. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jesus is uh, not only our savior, he is our Lord, mm. the Lord of our lives. Yes. Uh, it's not that we can do whatever we like with our mm. life. And also, God created us to enjoy and to love and to have intimacy, you know, with, uh, with mm. your partner. Yes. Uh, God, uh, God also, yeah, uh, uh, talked about the type of love that we are, you know, so confused mm. in these days. Mm. Um, I know in uh, in English, I mean, I speak another language also, mm. and in my language, you can describe love in a different way. Mm. Uh, in Greek, for example, uh, you'll have different words True. for different type of love. True. You'll, uh, you'll say agape, to the love which God shows us, you mm. know, and, and, and a love which you cannot, you know, describe, you know. Mm. But you can have also filio mm. love mm. or eros. Yeah. You know, those types of love, which can be intimate love or mm. relationship mm. love. In, yes. in my language, you'll, uh, you'll say dragoste or iubire, two different words describing mm. love. Mm. Now, for those people who may speak Romanian, may understand what I said, but uh, <laughs> not, not for um, maybe for most of our listeners. Uh, what I'm trying to say here, uh, David, is that um, while we have this fundamental believes in the Bible and that makes so much sense in the society mm. we live today. Why are we shifting, yes. drifting away from the principles of mm. the Bible? Well, remarkably, the word love is the one that's being used as the excuse for all of these dramatic changes in the culture and in family. But the word love is a, is a very misunderstood word and you've described some varieties of its meaning um, there can be erotic love, there can be the love of friendship, there can be the love which is seeking the highest good of the other. And uh, it's that latter one, really, that's the key one, which helps us to make meaning of the other two. Mm. But, um, yeah, the, the term love is being used to justify sin now because people are saying, look, I just love 
I love my same-sex partner and I just want to have a little ceremony in the garden. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, why can't the government let me do that? And, you know, this tugs at the heartstrings and it's a bit of a sob story. Uh, but people don't realise what government is for, what law is for. The government is not there to endorse everything that people want to do and the law is not there to endorse unrighteousness. The, the law is there as a protection, as a guard, uh, to help us to to get our thinking straight about family and about community and everything else. So it's, it's not really about love in that respect. But if we were to truly love God and love our neighbour uh, as God understands and defines love, and of course God is love, mm. uh, then we would certainly love each other in the way he intends, that is seeking the highest good of the other. In Italian, you've mentioned Romanian. In Italian, there's a word. I don't know what it is, but some Italian listener perhaps might uh, text us on the on that phone number and let us know. But in Italy, they speak about love which seeks the highest good of the other. And I think that that's really closest to the biblical concept of love. We think especially of the love chapter, which is Romans 13, uh, mm. 1 Corinthians 13. 13 yes. uh, and uh, seeking uh, love is not self-centered. But, but people are confusing love with with how I feel about things or what I yes, want yes. instead of what God wants and what is good for the other. Or uh, you mentioned something very important in regard to this because uh, even when you approach a intimate relationship, you know that love can be different. You can you can have a relationship, an intimate relationship. On your demand, on yes. what you want, yes. rather than what you can offer, you that's know. Right. And mm-hmm. yeah, that's that's very important. But again, the question which um, we want to address a little bit more today is: How do I give my children a moral compass? Mm-hmm. Now. If you're listening out there and you have an idea on this, you may want to send us a message. Mm, um, what do you think? Mm. Uh, how can we educate mm. our young ones? Mm. And if you have a, um, you may have an inspiration there and uh, share with us. The number is zero four triple eight eight zero eight double one, and um, come in contact with us, uh, David from Family Voice Australia. Mm. I believe this is on uh, you know your. Uh, the priority Absolutely. in in sharing with people and helping people okay. and uh, educate. Uh, now we are going to talk about marriage here, family mm. education. Yeah. What do you you can sh- share with us in mm. this regard of education? Yes. Well, I think that there are really five areas of concern here when we think about how we can ensure that the children of the next generation get a good moral compass. So it's marriage, it's family, it's education, it's church, and it's the wider culture. So we'll talk about these as the program unfolds. But in marriage, we've got a role play between God and his people. And that's the key to marriage. As young children are growing up, they are forming uh, an identity, a male identity or a female identity. There's so much confusion out there these days, it's just tragic. But uh, Jesus pointed this out, that God has made humanity male and female. That's it. It's a simple binary explanation of reality which squares with what we observe in the natural world and in a sense what people think has got to be brought back under the umbrella of biological reality. So in marriage, and and marriage Nick really means the unity of things which are different. You know, even in the culinary world you've got uh, marriages uh, on the menu as it were like, you know, rhubarb and custard. You know, these are different Uh, things. 
the rhubarb on its own is a bit tart and, and a bit hard to eat, and the custard is possibly too sweet. But you put the two together, you've got a marriage. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm wearing a wedding ring here today, which is a, a marrying of two different metals. If this wedding ring that I'm wearing was just solid gold, it would be useless. You know, it would be crushed so easily because solid gold is very soft. Mm-hmm. But you marry it with a bit of copper, and now you've got jewellery grade gold. This is um, nine-carat gold or mm. various grades. But it's the it's the coming together of difference which makes the marriage work. So mm, That's un- nice un- how you put it, yes. It's an interesting analogy, whereas mm-hmm. unfortunately, though the law has said, well, marriage is – well, the High Court has said that, the, that marriage is whatever the Parliament says it is. You know, you, you you cannot take the place of God and say, oh, we'll figure out what is the meaning of marriage and we'll take a vote in it or something like that. You know, Jesus said, have you not read what it was at the beginning? So God has made humanity male and female and has gifted us marriage. And that is so fundamental in raising children that they see that they are male and female. They see their parents ideally and we don't don't judge any single parents out there or others who are doing it tough in whatever circumstance, mm-hmm. but we need these ideals to aim for. As children see their mother and father in covenant and unity with the wedding rings and the wedding photos and the wedding certificate and the video of the wedding mm-hmm. ceremony, etc., they realize that decision and choice is at the heart of marriage. It's covenant, that I promise to love you whether you're sick, well, or whether we're rich or poor, whatever it might be, we promise to love each other. It presupposes difficulty. In fact, the Apostle Paul said that those who marry will suffer. Uh, That's just reality. Yes. So if we're going to make it work, we've got to have a very, very strong concept of what marriage is. That's so valuable, Nick, in the raising of children uh, to give them a good moral compass. Mm. And do you reckon, David, just because marriage is quite difficult, to be honest, you know, and uh, relationship not easy to maintain, yeah, yeah. Um, is that why people are giving up so easily on marriage? Uh, we live now in a more in the de facto relationship, you know, True. when you can break at any time, if you, you like, I mean, you can step away. Yeah. I mean, even in family, it's so easy uh, these days to divorce. Yes. You know, uh, it's not like in the olden days uh, when uh, it's not only difficult to to break that um, mm. commitment, mm. Uh, but also the society, the, the, the view in society was so strong that you wouldn't dare to even think mm. too much mm. of um, of breaking that family. And I must say that, uh, David, that I witnessed myself coming from a very traditional uh, background and family, you know, very orthodox-oriented, uh, uh, you know, uh, community. And uh, I believe it was a lot of help from the community to maintain yes. family. Now, in these days where we live in a very individualistic society, mm. It's so easy to just take uh, decisions and those de- decisions can be many times out of context, you know, right. not, not uh, uh, necessarily um, having solid ground, good reasons. Now, we are not defending here any abuse no. or any form of uh, uh, abuse in, in mm. a relationship, you know, mm. but I, I, yeah, I reckon you, you pointed out very well family. A very important nuclei, a nucleus, or how you say, it, of yes, society. Is. Marriage yeah. is the fulcrum of of family. Yes, and uh, it's so important that we get that right. Unfortunately, people they fall in love and they fall out of love. Mm. Um, again, this word love it's it trips us over every time. We need to understand the love of God. 
Jesus showed us what love is by dying, laying yeah. down his life. So it's got nothing to do with what suits me or what pleases me, but how I can love the other person and seek their highest good, help them to achieve their highest potential. Mm. If we bring that into marriage, then we will enrich each other instead of fighting with each other. All right. What's the next one on our list, uh, David? Well, as well as marriage, we have, of course, family. So children are born when a man and a woman unite together and Again, there's something deep going on here, which is bigger than the dramas. Uh, in Ireland, they say, uh, little children, little troubles. Mm. Big children, big troubles. Uh, it's kind of a never-ending saga, you know. So what we need is a theology for family. And Jesus spoke about the fatherhood of God constantly. He was always saying to the disciples, your father, your father knows your needs your father will will grant you uh, your requests when you pray, etc. So he's really speaking about the relationship that we have with God, which is one of him being our father. So fatherhood is a very important thing, mm. and motherhood, of course. But sometimes a married couple will look to themselves and say, where have we gone wrong with troubles that are going on yes. with their children? But God himself had troubles. And in the parable of the lost son, God's got these two sons and they're squabbling and you know one can't wait for the old man to die before he gets his hand on the on the assets and the other one tells lies by saying I've been slaving for you and you've never given me so much as a goat. Mm. Now, that's not true because God is the father in the story and he's generous in a way that no father on earth has ever been. He gave everything. Exactly. Mm. So if God has family troubles what hope is there for a poor boy like me? Wow. So we need to recognize that the, the dramas which occur in family are part of the way that things are in this fallen world so that the glory of God can be demonstrated. So it's not an excuse for us to say, oh, we'll give up on these kids or, you know, that, that they're so useless, we'll disown them or whatever it might be. No, at that point, we are being long-suffering mm. because we are demonstrating God who is slow to anger and uh, and patient with all of humanity. So in family, children learn this when they see their parents being patient. They're getting a picture of God who is patient with us in our errors as we're learning to walk with him. Right. That's that's great. And and David, not only from an uh, organ, organizational point of view, you know, from Family Voice Australia, but also as individuals, mm. how can we then... Uh, make a difference yes. uh, each one of us um, just just to point out uh, um, like that in in our families you right. know because there yeah. may be listeners there may be people out there mm. who struggle right now yeah. with this concept of family and being together yeah. because of uh, all the difficulties which a family brings as you just yes. pointed out before yes. do you have anything like to to share and to to say in this regard to help um yes indeed Because, of course, at Family Voice, we're, we're looking at the big picture, the laws and the values which shape our culture, but we're also very interested in what drills right down to help a man and a woman love each other and raise their children. And in a sense, Nick, if we can get that right, everything will, will be right. Mm. Because if we can fix the family, we'll fix everything. It's as simple as that. Church will be fixed. Mm. Schools will be fixed. Society will be fixed. The ecology will be fixed if we can simply get family right. That's how important family is. Yeah, and I, I believe that, and I always support that, David, myself, as I mentioned earlier, you know, I believe it's the nucleus. It's the of fundamental, fundamental unit. unit. It existed of, before schools, governments, yeah. and even the church. Yes, and it was... 
the first institution. Mm-hmm. Exactly. When God saw that it's not good for men yes. to be alone, That's right. he created a, a helper, yes. a, um, the right helper. That's right. Uh, that's amazing. And we are now witnessing, David, so much attack. Correct. On the first institution which God mm. created. That's yes. amazing. It is amazing. Absolutely. Now, David, also... You um, you mentioned that I, I think our next point is education yes. to see how we yes. educate here. Yes, just share with us a little bit here. Indeed. Well, if you ask a question, who is responsible for the education of children? Invariably, will pe- people will say the government, but that's mm. not right. Mm. It's the family, because God hasn't given children to governments; He's given children to parents. All right. So parents have the responsibility for the training and discipleship the good character formation, good citizenship values, the three R's, how to tie your shoelaces, all of that belongs to parents. Now, in our modern industrial world, we do recognise that schools can be helpful places, although it's very important, I think, to make sure that that initial grounding at home is a very firm one because if children don't learn the basics at home, they're not going to learn it at school. It'll be too late. Mm Mm-hmm. So I have a lot to do with schools, and I'm in, I'm in seeing an increasing number of children who, some of them, they they just lack basic skills, even musical skills. They've got no musical skill or aptitude because they've not been sung to in the cradle. Mm-hmm. They've not listened to music at home. So something's going wrong with the way we're doing family, and we're turning now to the schools to fix it, but that's beyond the ability of schools. So we're asking schools to do something they were never designed to do, including providing lunch for kids. Mm-hmm. Surely, surely the feeding of children is not the school's responsibility or the government's, but the family. Mm. So we're really losing the plot with regard to education. But what a wonderful opportunity we do have, nevertheless, in schools to encourage and nurture. And Jesus is a teacher, and he called the children to himself. So there's a wonderful example. Yes, let the children to come, exactly. come to me. Um, in my language, there is a proverb, I'm not sure in English if it's something similar, but uh, we used to say, if you see a, um, a you know, child misbehave mm-hmm. and say, you haven't got the seven years from home. That's mm-hmm. what we used to say, because at seven, you know, we go into school mm-hmm. uh, in the government, you know, school says, this child doesn't have the seven years yeah. from home. Yeah. Now, again, you can be judgmental, you know, yes. towards the parenthood and all those things. I mean, a child can turn just rebellious, can be uh, rebellious. But I think if we as family oriented Mm. uh, people, you know, uh, you'll put in place the right things at the right time, it will give you a lot of uh, um, outcome, you know. Well, there's been huge economic pressure on families in recent decades. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I've, I've seen this, you've seen this in your lifetime where where women marrying, wanting to raise children at home, they're being pressed into the workforce. You cannot qualify now for a home loan in any major city in Australia to buy a house unless there are both partners working. Mm. So that means that women are either delaying children or not, not having them at all, or if they're having children, they're, they're sending them off in, in some circumstances to very long daycare Um in Adelaide, I'm not sure if it's still there, but here we are in Adelaide, there was a 24-hour 
um, childcare facility running. I don't know if it's still running. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in in South Korea, at one point, uh, you could you could park your kid basically indefinitely in the childcare. Wow. Uh, it's effectively an orphanage. Yeah. And so uh, children are not being nurtured. They're not seeing mother and father in, in unity. They're not seeing them argue and make up. They're just not seeing them at all mm. in these extreme cases. But children need to be with their parents, and they need to trust their parents and learn from their parents. That's a wonderful proverb from Romania, uh, that the first seven years really are the crucial ones. Uh, if if that foundation is not laid, very difficult at school to be able to build upon a foundation that doesn't exist. Yeah. Yes, David, let's go to, to a break right yes. now. And you mentioned about um, music, you yes, know, how important yes. is able to sing uh, in the family. Mm. I chose a, a beautiful song here by uh, Gavin Chatelier, Family Bible. Uh, please stay with us uh, and we'll be back uh, shortly. Just enjoy this wonderful uh, uh, song. There's a family Bible on the table Its pages worn and hard to read But the family Bible on the table Will ever be my key to memory At the end of day When work was over And when the evening meal was done Dad would read to us from the family Bible And we'd count our many blessings one by one I can see us sitting round the table the family Bible Dad would read I can hear my mother softly singing Rock of Ages, Rock of Ages cleft for me Now this whole world of ours is filled with trouble This whole world would so much better be If we'd find more Bibles on the table Mother singing Rock of Ages left for me I can see us sitting round the table From the family Bible Dad would read I can hear my mother softly Ages, rock of ages, cleft for me. 
Welcome back. You are listening to Faith FM Drive Time BQ&A with Nick Rita. And our co-host today is David DeLima from Family Voice Australia. And we are talking about uh, a very important and uh, yeah, interesting question. How do I give my children a moral compass. Mm. For the whole week, uh, we are tackling this um, topic, uh, David, uh, biblical morality mm. in the third millennium. Mm. And we are struggling with this. Mm. Uh, we we share all through the week uh, how um, important it is to, to still look at that bond, which is family, you know, to mm. look at uh, Jesus, what Jesus had to say and speak about family and the Bible, mm. you know, in, in general. Uh, but we are right now, David, um, into this kind of trend of uh, uh, do what you like, you yeah. know, what pleases you. Mm. Very individualistic mm. oriented society, particularly in the West, yes. you know. And uh, we we talked about just before the break, David, uh, about, um, you know, marriage mm. in general, you mm. know, how important it is. To really have that understanding of the value of the marriage and you know when we talk about family what that involves mm. you know to have family and children mm. is n- not everything in rows as we would like to mm. to see or say you know mm. but still i believe is the fundamental thing which society uh, needs yes you know to to have those um those um Pillars, and then uh, just yeah, just before the break, we we talked about education. How mm. important is that uh, our children are educated mm. home, mm. not expecting that um, you know the governments or mm. uh, schools, whatever you send people to, uh, even to child cares mm. uh, to edu- educate them. Mm. Um, they may get education, but I'm not sure what sort of education. No, indeed, and the the parents retain the authority of education and the responsibility now they can delegate the task to tutors or to schools but they retain the responsibility Mm. but unfortunately this has been lost sight of Uh, parents are increasingly washing their hands of the responsibility or let the school fix that up that's the school's problem Instead of backing up the school and the school backing up the parents, Mm -hmm. you've got this divide, this separation between the parents on the one hand and the schools on the other. And so, you know, homework is sent home with the child by the school and the parents couldn't care less to make sure that the child does it. Or conversely, the the values of the parents sometimes are being ignored by the schools. Um, Now, we've got an increasingly growing private education sector. Mm -hmm. It's more than one-third of all Australian children are now educated in the private sector. It's the growing sector because a lot of parents are very disgusted by the state school system. Mm. They're looking for values. Mm. Um, But, of course, if they're not there in the home, then they're not going to be much good in the school. So the two must work together. Yeah, absolutely. And and talking about that, uh, David, you see we are... um uh, facing difficulties right now, uh, uh, what you can say, yes. um, even to a child. Correct. Uh, we, you know, we spoke about this even in previous mm-hmm. uh, programs mm-hmm. about uh, uh, the laws which are in place. Yes. Uh, you cannot talk about um, to a child about their sexuality. Mm. Um, and just uh, reminded me again that I shared a bit early in the week uh, about um, the uh, 
Equality Act, yes, yes. you know, being discussed and mm-hmm. uh, uh, thousands of faith-based organizations will be closed or punished by the government if the Equality Act uh, becomes law. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, senators were told during the Judiciary uh, Committee hearing just last week, um, and we're talking about here in the uh, United States, and, and I shared quite a bit about this uh, at the beginning of the week, um, that you are restricted. Now, even with those laws in place, how can we still act in mm. family, you know, in a, in a family environment mm. to teach the right things with the quality and value for, um, for our children? Uh, I know these laws will, um, will, will affect the um, uh, parenthood, mm-hmm. uh, but yes, still, how important is just on, on, on that aspect to, yes. uh, to maintain mm. that focus? on well good education from yes. home uh well particularly at home we can resist the cultural trend uh if we if we're sure to guard the hearts and minds of our children it's not easy um but we've got to make sure that we don't put our children in cotton wool to protect them from worldly influences full stop but rather to help them to see to understand to discern and to have a a, a christian biblically based response to those issues so that we're not pretending that there are problems there are no problems out there we're recognizing those problems and we are training our children to be able to cope with them because parents aren't going to be there forever to look after their kids the kids are going to grow up and move out and we want to train them for autonomy and if we simply demand obedience all the time, then we're not really preparing them for the wise autonomy that we want for them, after all, in which God wants for them. And Nick, just looking at the screen here, um, one of the listeners has sent in a very personal uh, little uh, contribution, and our, our thoughts and prayers are with this person. They've got some family difficulties, mm-hmm. and um, they've they've really decided, I think, um, if I may be so bold as to say this wrongly, to shun their daughter who's giving them trouble. And I would point out that um, they, they, they are waiting to be like the prodigal uh, boy's father for the repentance. In fact, if you look at the story carefully, when the child was coming home, the father runs to the child. Mm-hmm. And there's no talk of repentance at this point. Mm-hmm. That will come and it will come later. But when you think about it, there can be no repentance without love. If we're not sure of the love of those who are in relationship with us, we're not going to bother to Mm -hmm. ask for their forgiveness because we know we're not going to get it because they don't love us. But if we love them, then we can ask for forgiveness. So I would encourage that family who've sent us in that detail to to really just overwhelm that child with love. And the repentance, the conviction, that will come in its own time and through God. Uh, is There's no point in us saying to our kids, don't you know that this is right or wrong? They know right from wrong because we've taught them and their consciences are also witnessing to that. But they they need to be led with cords of love as we read in the book of Hosea. I led them with cords of love. So I would encourage the 
the person who's written in that comment, and there are many others yeah. uh, probably like that. And we don't say that there is no love in that uh, environment, you mm. know. Uh, and I, I picked up from that mm. message, David, also mm. that the parents are saying that their daughters, you know, the biological children, mm-hmm. uh, they treat this um, adopted, uh, you know, child yes. uh, with the Lots of uh, respect do, yeah. and love, they and do, even yeah. invite uh, uh, to go t- out, you know, to exactly. um, even against the wishes of the yes. parents, you know, yes. showing that uh, that love. I think what you just said here. Sometimes we can uh, be overwhelmed with certain situations Correct. and act in a way or the other, mm. uh, just um, uh, thinking that hey, this doesn't make any sense here. I have mm. to step up and mm. do things. Mm. Even Jesus himself, when he came across all those difficulties, you know, he radiated and showed exactly. that love. love. Exactly. That love. Now, he came across some difficult mm. uh, situations, mm. you know, mm. and, and he even throw uh, the tables up, yeah. side oh, yeah. down, you know. Mm. But yeah, again, I think you, what you said earlier here, and now we are not here to necessarily give uh, give advice mm. in that regard because it could be difficult situations mm. you know in a in a, a home environment uh, but what you just said i believe it's, it's so important to overwhelm that child mm. with love right. to treat each other mm. with love and not with a type of love which we may mm. understand and think mm. it's the right love but mm. with that love with god show us right Agape love, yes. which is which is a life to gives and not thinking what I can get back mm. yeah. from this. I, I think yeah, that was a very good point. Uh, thank you for uh, mentioning that, um, David. Mm. And and hey, we are uh, moving on. Time is going yes. fast uh, today, and we are going to uh, to talk a little bit about church. Yes. Now, just on that one, just before we move on, uh, you know, looking back at that article which I mentioned a bit earlier, David, the Equality uh, Act. Hassan said, does not exempt houses of worship from what is considered a public accommodation. Now, this is interesting. To the contrary, what this does, it is expands that definition of public accommodations. And uh, she said uh, this, a church that opens the doors to the community with any sort of ministry, she said, can be subject to discrimination suits because they are now going to be considered public accommodation Mm. in the same way as a stadium or something like that. Now, people of faith, Hudson said, want to live out their faith faith and carry it out in action. Mm. The Equality Act, she added, tells religious Americans in this mm. context, you are not welcome mm. to leave your faith in public square. Yeah. How do you see that? Well, that's tragic because government is only the sum of the community and churches are part of the fabric of the community. Mm. They have as much right to speak up and defend their beliefs as anyone else. And the government should uh, recognize that wisdom instead of trying to curtail it and try to impose itself upon the churches. Uh, you know, in the medieval era, you had the church dominating government and that has its own problems. 
Um, not, neither have got a monopoly in that sense. Uh, Jesus said, render to Caesar what belongs to Caesar and to God what belongs to God. So mm. there is a demarcation and government should not dictate to churches any more than the church should dictate to government. But uh, we, we greatly need to recognize the wisdom of Christ here, which is provable not simply by theology, but by social science and by history and psychology. And all of those things, the church has understood and nurtured and commended to governments. But unfortunately, governments are now being hijacked by troublemakers who, who resist the wisdom of Christ. Mm. And they're wanting to redefine anything uh, that's, that's redefinable. And this is shaping the entire culture now. Um, just coming to the studio today before I came in, I was just checking the, the Australian website and was horrified to see that um, a teacher has, has got boys to stand up in front of the classroom and apologise for their gender. It's absolutely as- astonishing. Now, that teacher won't get away with this, mm. but you can see where it's going. Uh, people push the boundaries and they're curbed for a while, but then they keep pushing through and, and our opponents in this respect simply won't give up. But can, can you imagine the shame that's being brought upon boys in the classroom who've got to stand up and apologise for being male? Wow. It's, it's incredible. And also this week we've had uh, someone who's running an online petition to force the Streets Ice Cream Company to rename its Golden Gay Time Ice Creams. All right. And, and this person is saying that they are offended, they're a homosexual person, they are offended because the ice cream is called Gay Time. Well, it's been called gay time for 50 years when the word gay had its wonderful original meaning, which means happy-go-lucky and carefree. Mm-hmm. And there are many women who have the name gay or gaynor. What, do we want them to change their names as well? It's just that's ridiculous. Important. <laughs> so that's, we've been working on that in these last, uh, last few hours at Family Voice. But you can see how people just get themselves tied up in knots when they forget the things of God. Uh, and so we greatly need to recognize that uh, God is God. Let God be God. Yeah. And uh, we are to follow after him, to submit ourselves to him. And uh, when we get that right, everything in community flows as it should, including in family, school, and uh, church and community. Yes. Uh, David, time is running out. But just before um, uh, we really run out of time, mm. I, I want to give away a wonderful book uh, mm. to our listeners. And again, please just uh, send us a message to zero four triple eight eight zero eight double one. And you can get this uh, book um, free of charge, no obligation. You know, you can get this one in your hands. And the book is called Power of Hope. Now, overcoming depression, anxiety, guilt, stress. All those things you may experience. While most people um, recognize that exercise and the balance of diet help our well-being and improve health, uh, what should we do when uh, illness is not located in one specific part of the body? This book is talking about. Um, have you ever um, felt crushed by numerous commitments? Uh, been unable to deal with uh, everything on y- your um, to-do list? had to face the feeling of guilt in the struggle against addictions, wanted to throw the towel and uh, uh, flee to a deserted island, you are not alone. Right now, millions of people suffer from the effects of anxiety, stress, and depression. And if this is your struggle, or uh, if you know someone facing this challenge, change is possible. You don't have to remain stuck in, uh, in, that, in that pain. And the power of hope, 
will teach you how to experience a meaningful, successful life. Discover the answers that uh, will lead you to a path of peace, restoration, and healing. Discover the power of uh, hope. Please send us a message with that word, a power of uh, hope, and uh, we'll be happy to deliver that to you. This is our offer for today. David, in the next few minutes uh, left, uh, I think we have another, we talk about five ways. Uh, mm. We have another one left. Yes, the culture. The culture. Let's yeah. talk a little bit about the culture. That's right. Well, the culture is uh, impressing itself terribly upon children and destroying their Christian character. So we need to make sure that we clean up the culture. It's in the same way that we wouldn't want our children to breathe air which is poisonous or to drink water which is polluted. The the cultural environment is one that we've really got to clean up because we're just letting our kids down now. They are being led astray, led away from the teachings of the church, led away from the teachings of mother and father, and uh, that's really got to stop. So... We need to we need parents sort of to, to, to work together and to gang up together uh, to make sure that we look after our children properly and to challenge government to challenge society to challenge the media uh, in order to really make sure that we get that sorted out. Mm, that's very important. And uh, again, culture is very strong. You know, peer pressure. Yeah. That's part of uh, culture too. Yes. And uh, these days, particularly talking about the young ones, mm. because that's uh, our focus. How can we teach, mm. you know, our children mm. um, to really understand, yeah. you know, the principles of yes. uh, a good life mm. and to, to live honestly and to be um, sustainable and to also offer support to other uh, people, your, your peers. Indeed. Your peers. Mm. Mm. I think we really need to recognize that uh, God knows, God knew what he was doing at creation and he, he created the world so that children come into our lives. I like to say that they come in uh, crying and screaming and leaking at both ends. You know, God didn't make it so that children would come into our, into our lives at the age of, of 18 or 21, you know, having learned how to manage their bodily functions and how to hold a knife and fork and armed with a driver's license already. All of these things have got to be learned and learned the hard way. And parents sometimes wonder where they've gone wrong. But in fact, it's a bit like the the grit in the oyster, which no doubt irritates the oyster, but this is how God makes the pearl. Mm. So the irritations, the, the, the chafing, the, the trials and tribulations – the difficulties that we experience in both in marriage and in raising children, these are necessary to make the chisel marks. That's what character really means, the chisel marks, the way in which the child is wonderfully shaped. It's, it's not easy. It's not straightforward. It requires huge long-suffering and patience. And that's why when we're in tune with our Heavenly Father, we, we can say not, oh, no, what's gone wrong, but rather, aha, this mm. is my opportunity to exhibit grace under fire. This is my opportunity to extend unconditional love. This is my opportunity to clean up the mess that the kids have made, whether they're four or, or uh, 24. Yeah. <laughs> so it requires uh, a theology, and the theology is the fatherhood of God and his love for humanity. Yeah, absolutely. And David, um, we started this week also with uh, some fundamental, uh, you know, um, pillars. Mm. Um, also, we talked about some principles. And I like that um, when uh, when we talked about this, uh, about six principles, mm. which I'd like to remind you again um, uh, today. 
to have commitment mm. in whatever you do at home, you know, to have commitment, uh, to have control. Sometimes you, you need to control your feelings, you mm. know, not to just uh, lash out, lash out mm. to understand contrast, mm. how to look at things, to have consideration. There are consequences mm. with all this and to practice also capability. You know, we are all called to, uh, you know, to show in families what God called us to be exactly. as parents. Exactly. And I hope that we'll still uh, up, uh, upheld mm-hmm. high, you know, those values which God uh, uh, told us. Uh, our time is up uh, for today. Uh, David, thank you so much for uh, coming with us and uh, share with us today. How would you like to just close with a word of prayer? I'd love to do that. Now, Father, we thank you for the refreshment that you've given us as we look into your word, into the scriptures, as we see Jesus as his Holy Spirit is in filling our hearts, guiding us and leading us. I just want to pray for your blessing to be upon all the families that are out there in Australia as they're listening to this program, that your richest blessing will be upon families, especially those who are struggling. They could be struggling in marriage or in the raising of children. May there be tenacity, that uh, love which doesn't give up, which perseveres, which believes the best. I commend... Lord, the love chapter of First Corinthians 13 to all of our listeners and ask that you will help them to be anchored in Scripture, led by your Holy Spirit, so they'll give true testimony to your own long sufferings, your patience, your kindness. Bless each family out there, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen, amen. And thank you for uh, listening to Faith FM Drive Time Big Q&A with uh, Nick Rita and David uh, Delima from Family Voice Australia. Today, we invite you to come back uh, with us uh, when we are going to talk about what is Easter all about. Until then, may God richly bless you. And I'm leaving you with a song, You Are Love. And a heart full of pain Can't understand why we're here again There's grace in the season Not just to see us through But to renew us And you are Unclear, but your perfect love scatters fear. Cause your will is to build up and not to harm, but to complete us. You are love, Lord, and your ways testify. In your
Kiss these legs of filth And run into this unknown wealth With truth of your love for Love